Welcome to Truman's Matrix. A podcast built around the craziest headlines around the world. A production of Digging Deeper Media, owned by Hale Multimedia. Where you don't know who's watching who, or who's controlling you. All right, this is a new segment, and we're excited about this one because the Matrix is a a very popular concept recently since it's coming true. And if we think about 1984 and uh, the government, Big Brother watching us and Big Eye in the Sky and and, uh, doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. Right. Uh, Just a lot (laughs) of really crazy things. And then if you saw the Truman Show... How the big guy, guy in the machine in the sky could, you know, uh, control the weather and, 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 and monitor this uh, person's life, uh, which was Jim Carrey. And it was a hilarious show, but scary as hell, if you know what I mean, if you've seen The Truman Show. So we put the two titles together and came up with Truman's Matrix. <laughs> and it, it's really, it's designed to be the craziest headlines from around the world that, that we can find. So be sure to send us your suggestions and through the Digging Deeper feed and just you know hit us up on the, the texting or give us a call, whatever. Uh, we had a special guest that's going to have a reaction later on in the show that we're very thankful for. And so you can even call in and you can be live. So... Right now, we want to look at some of the really ridiculous things going on. And Andy, you found something over here. Yeah. On shopping? Yeah. (laughs) So Quebec, (laughs) Quebec announced that the vaxxed, that the unvaxxed are not allowed inside large stores. Unless accompanied by a health warden that will monitor them so they do not purchase anything except for food and medicine. What the heck? (laughs) they're forbidden from purchasing any other goods like you said like a soda pop is is um more necessary than a blanket or a heater well yeah i mean the original comparison during the pandemic the original thing was that the marijuana stores and the alcohol stores were open but that that was essential yeah and yeah i mean you know okay but then okay so in this case you you can go to the Costco's, the Walmarts, but you cannot look at or touch the other goods. Like, right. Like the, like you said, the blankets or the heaters. Or the clothes or, or shoes you know, jackets or jackets. Or shoes or socks or underwear. <laughs> you can't touch any of that stuff. Right. But you can go get some groceries because that's essential. Or you can get your pharmaceutical drugs. And you go to the drugstore. Right, right. Yeah, it makes a so, hell of a lot of sense. So let's listen to this report from a Quebec uh, TV announcer, announcer. Okay, so Quebec. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Today, big box stores that have a footprint of 1,500 square meters uh, or more are going to have to ask people, customers, to show proof of vaccination. Now, pharmacies and grocery will be exempt from this. So if you're going into a Costco or a Walmart or something like that, where you might be going in uh, to buy groceries or visit the pharmacy, uh, in that case, an employee will have to be with that person as they walk through the store to make sure that they do not go uh, and buy other products or other items that might be in the store. Okay, yeah, and a shout out to an old friend of mine, uh, Manon, up in Quebec. 
Uh, she's in the city of Ottawa, Ottawa Hall. And last I heard, so hey, Mano. Mano, Mano, how are you? I hope you're doing well. And I hope she doesn't have to fight any uh, health wardens. <laughs> well, actually, she has had a lot of struggles with the health departments and stuff like that. And, you mm. know, um, our prayers and blessings go out to Mano. Yes. And uh, so what do we have next? Okay. So... The next one was this crazy story that we saw today that Valerie oh, actually shared with us. And then we shared with Stu Peters. And I, I'm sure several people shared mm-hmm. with Stu Peters. And then he ended up picking up the story. But um, Ben Gord. Hospital administrators are using patients to cash in on COVID incentives. Mm-hmm. Ben Gord was in a car accident. Right. He... Uh, couldn't get out of his vehicle, but he was just scraped up, and he was totally aware. Paramedics get there in 10 minutes and knock him out. He wakes what up. What do you mean, knock him out? What did they do? They gave him a shot. A shot? A something. Shot him in a the shot, face? No, shot, shot him in the arm. Shot him in the arm with <laughs> no, something. Yeah, Knocked he tells the story. Yeah. It's, you know, I know the story. I'm just giving you a hard time, but that's right. just crazy. Yeah. They came with a needle ready to plunge into him, and he said, no way, Jose, and they hit him anyway, and he was yep. out. Yep, eight hours, hours later, he woke later, up in, in a home. Should we let in him a... tell the story? Yeah. Because he tells it a couple times. He does. Let's listen to Ben Gord. Okay, so we have three things going on here. First of all, like Andy said, a friend of ours, hello, Valerie, <laughs> one of our greatest, our top fan. You our gotta, top fan, yeah. yeah you got to give her the top fan award. Yeah. <laughs> um, absolutely. Valerie, you're a blessing. And she gave us this video of Ben and Ben's plea was to get out to Alex Jones or somebody big like that. Mm-hmm. And our idea was, hey, Stu Peters. Right. He'll do it. He talks about all the medical stuff. So let's get him on Stu. So like, like she said, we and probably several other people went ahead and emailed Stu and said, you got to get this guy on. Mm-hmm. And so good job, Valerie. And good job, everyone else. And for good emailing job, Stu. Stu. Yep. And thankfully that Stu was observant enough to get him on. So three things are going to happen here. The first thing is we're going to show you the original video that was passed to us by Valerie. Then right after that, we're going to hear Stu Peters and Ben on the show together. He'll have Ben on his show. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the reaction and a surprise reaction from Valerie and uh she wasn't expecting to be recorded, in all fairness, but she gave us permission to be after the call. And so her reaction kind of tells it all here to how outlandish this is. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely scary as hell, and I'm not afraid to say that. Definitely in a matrix, man. This can happen to anyone. Hey there. My name is Ben. <clears throat> Two days ago, I was in a car crash. This is just my car. It rolled. Out. I don't know what happened. Um, I w- uh, came to. The car was back on all four wheels. The, uh, you know, all the glass in the car was blown out. I got cut up. You know, all around, nothing serious. I was awake and aware that I, I couldn't open the car door. 
Within 10 minutes, EMT arrived and injected me with something. And I said, no, 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 no. No, and they're like, oh, just going to sedate you, boss. I woke up eight hours later somehow with a vent, a mechanical ventilator, IV, catheter, whole nine yards. I instinctively, without even thinking, pulled out the vent. There was no aid in this room with me. Pulled out uh, the IV, pulled out the catheter, which was horrendous. And I found my shorts, which had been cut off me, and I covered my junk because I was naked. And I walked to the door and I opened it and staff was sitting there and I said, why did you vent me? And the, the staff freaked out. They couldn't believe I was awake. Um, they followed me back into the room. I sat on the bed and I said, what drugs did you give me and why am I vented? And one of the nurses said, you have COVID. And I said, even if you tested me, po tested positive for COVID, if I tested positive for COVID, a vent is the last resort for someone who cannot breathe on their own. They just looked at each other like, what do we do? What do we say? I said, what drugs did you put me on? What was coming through that IV? And they said, propofol, propofol, fentanyl, morphine. And I was like, why? What? Like, you were going to kill me on that machine. You were going to leave me there. They just looked at each other. I go, I, I want all the paperwork. I want everything that's been done to me and who authorized it. They didn't give it to me. I demanded a lawyer. I said, I need a, a lawyer now. I'm leaving this place. They argued with me for 45 minutes. And then uh, once I could uh, show them that I could produce urine, they found some old raggy hospital clothes and gave them and took me to a door, which was not glass sliding door. It didn't even look like a hospital. This is in Flagstaff. They, they airlifted me from about an hour away. I was under from the time I was injected at the site of the crash. And I somehow miraculously came to and immediately took everything out. I'm trying desperately to get a hold of Del Big Tree or Alex Jones or Mike Adams or anybody that has a platform to share my story. It's new. I want to do it while I still have this. I just sent a certified letter for medical release forms. We'll see what's on that. They got a hold of a family member somehow, even though they didn't have my ID and I was tagged as John Doe. They told my family that I had a broken nose. I haven't blown my nose once since I left there. There's no blood, there's no swelling, there's no, you know, there's just the same kind of uh, junk that's all over from the glass. Why would they tell my family that my nose was broken and that I had, quote, acute pancreatitis, which from what I've read is extremely painful and a progressive illness. I've never had a stomach ache. I've never had any pain from my pancreas. They said nothing to my family about me being vented for COVID, but that's what they told me. 
I think that they had no intention for me to ever wake up and I would have been classified and counted as someone that died of COVID in the hospital. And as you can see, I mean, everything works. I just walked three miles today. Um, I was not injured, no surgery. They could have vented me if there was a pretty heavy duty surgery, for sure. No surgeries were performed. You have COVID. Please get this out for me. I've written to everyone and I've, see, I've received no replies. It's only been a couple days, but I'm freaking out, as you can, I'm sure you can understand. I sincerely need this story to be heard. Thank you so much, and I'm so happy to be alive. I can't believe I woke up. Thank you. Well, from the earliest days of the pandemic, the device most commonly linked with COVID-19 has been the ventilator. And for nearly just as long, ventilators have been linked with people dying of COVID-19. Being on a ventilator for, for days at a time is really unhealthy, and we know that. And one of the best things that we did to reduce COVID death rates was that we stopped putting people on ventilators so often. But two years later, here we are, we're still at it. We have this mythical protocol, which tells zombies with stethoscopes posing as hospital staff to put people on renal failure causing remdesivir, then onto a ventilator, and then into a coffin. And a lot of doctors probably notice that patients are dying, but they don't care. They think anybody who didn't get the vax deserves to die anyhow. We've certainly heard a lot of stories in that vein. But it's not just COVID. Benjamin Gord is a singer-songwriter and music producer. He was traveling in Arizona when, sadly, he got into a single-car crash. But when he woke up, he found himself in the hospital on a ventilator. It's pretty frightening, to say the least. Any one of us could end up in a hospital far from home, and while we aren't even awake, end up getting put on this death protocol in the name of a virus. Anyway, this video went viral everywhere. It was in BitChute. It was all over Telegram. People reaching out to me, Stu, you got to get a hold of Benjamin Gord. Get a hold of him. Well, we did, and he is here now. Thank you so much for coming. Hey, thanks for having me, Stu. T take us through this because this was <clears throat> really bizarre. I had a, a single car crash uh, uh, sometime between 11.30 a.m. And, and 12 p.m. Um, I came to in my car, it was on all four wheels. I was examining the broken glass everywhere, feeling around. I noticed everything was superficial. I moved my limbs. I moved, you know, my legs. And I was in shock, as anybody would be. And the first and only interaction that I had, probably 10 minutes later, uh, the Copper Canyon fire slash EMT is very close to where this happened. And... I saw a guy take a syringe, an EMT take a syringe out and started coming at me. And I said, no, no, no. What the? And he said, just going to calm me down, boss. It went in and it went black for seven hours until I woke up on a mechanical vent. And God knows, you know, I know where I, I, I was now, Flagstaff Medical Center. But at the time, yeah, obviously no idea where you are and so you're on a ventilator do you know first of all do you know what they gave you at the crash site that made you go out for seven hours i do not and i sent a certified uh, uh form for medical release that is arriving there tomorrow so we'll see what's on that okay 
And then you wake up on a ventilator. Why? Were your lungs damaged? Did you did the crash incapacitate your ability to breathe or respirate on your own? Absolutely not. I, I can tell you that what it felt like was a burst of light and adrenaline from inside my body. And with no pause <clears throat> whatsoever, I immediately slowly removed the vent, which I can't even tell you how long this thing was. I turned to my left and followed where that hose was. And there was a mechanical machine. I could feel a bit of a pulse coming in, you know, something was being pushed. I immediately reached to my left arm where the IV was placed. I slowly removed that and the tape. And then I went for the catheter. And that was harrowing, slowly pulling this thing out. You know, it's about, and I started bleeding because that's what's going to happen, apparently. I found my cutoff shorts that they had cut off me on the floor. I covered myself up. I walked to the door. I opened it up. Staff was around the desk. And I said, why did you put me on a ventilator? And the look on their faces was like, this is a ghost. Yeah. Well, you're like, go back in the room, get back. And I, I backed up, but I held myself in the doorway because I wasn't going to be injected again or pushed back. Nobody was bigger than me in there. It was several women and two sort of underling garden variety security looking guys that looked very young. So eventually the conversation did come into the room, but I, I kept standing and I said, I want to know why I was on a vent. Does it look like I'm having any trouble whatsoever breathing? I'm standing. Um, what drugs did you give to me? And there was one nurse that did almost all of the, of the speaking. I'm assuming she was a nurse. She was very young. And when I asked why I was on a vent, she said, you have COVID. And I said, even if that's true, that you tested me for COVID, that ventilator is a late stage, last resort, hyper-invasive thing that you've done. What, also, what did you give to me? First thing she says is propofol. And I said, oh, the thing that killed Michael Jackson, great. And then she mentioned fentanyl and morphine, which doesn't make a lot of sense because fentanyl is the way better <clears throat> opiate than morphine. Unless there was a step down, I have no idea. But they were bewildered. There was a half circle around me. I kept asking for a lawyer. I kept saying, produce paperwork. Who authorized this? What have you done? And it went on for about 30 to 40 minutes of me just absolutely asserting myself. I was conscious. I was awake. I was full of energy. And I don't think they could believe it. Did you call the cops? I didn't have a phone. So... Clearly now you do. Have you been in touch with law enforcement no, since? My phone is coming today. Okay. I did borrow a phone and I called the county, like the sheriff where the accident occurred. Yeah. And I said, hey, I need to get a police report. And, and they put me in touch with a guy and he said, uh, I haven't gotten around to it. He said, but can you do me a favor and call Flagstaff PD? That's where I was airlifted to. And uh, Nick's the missing persons report that was filed because staff at the hospital, after everything that I've already told you, got a hold of my sister. They didn't know who I was. I was John Doe. It says I'm 100 years old, born in 1922. So they didn't know who I was, but they got a hold of my sister after I left. And she has a different last name than me. 
she didn't know if I had a kid. She didn't know what was going on. She filed a missing persons report. But to kind of backtrack a little bit, after I proved and it was demanding release, I want all the paperwork. Um, they said the doctor's going to come in and we'll leave you alone with her. She said, if you can produce urine and, and prove that you are not have a clot inside of your stuff, you can go. What do you mean you can go? What are you going to do if I don't? What are you going to do if I don't take a piss right here right now? Are you going to yeah, hold exactly. me down? Like, what are you, are you, are you like the cops? Have I committed a crime? Is this a lockup facility? I mean, like, what is this camp COVID? Are you the Nazis? Like, what do you, what do you mean? We'll let you go. We'll consider this is such BS. I, I just, I, I can't believe that this is happening. So literally what happened here is you were on the side of the road involved with the crash. They put you under to bring you to a hospital to kill you for a hundred grand, essentially, is is what happened here. Well, I, I I can't see any rational reason for taking. No, I can't either. I, I absolutely cannot find any. They put a ventilator on you. I remember like when a ventilator was referred to kind of like as life support, right? I mean, wasn't that? that no, yeah. they, they are interchangeable. Yeah. Okay. So those two words mean the same thing, right? I mean, yeah. uh, they do. Okay. So isn't this what like people on life support are people who are dealing with like serious trauma? Uh, they're on their way out. Like this is. Yeah. This, listen, there, there, there were no surgeries performed. That's another uh, reason why you would use a ventilator. The idea that we're just, and then people like are walking into the hospital on their own horsepower, right? Uh, Saying, yeah, I've got a little bit of a cough. And the next thing you know, 24 hours later, they're, they're vented. Like what? We need to put you on a ventilator. Excuse me. Like I just walked in here because I have a scratchy throat. We need to put you on a ventilator. I got, I got to tell you, Stu, I must've asked, why did you vent me? Why did you vent me? probably 15 times. Never did they say, oh, we didn't vent you. That's actually just this, or that was just actually that. The tube, it it couldn't be more clear what was in my lungs and the machine that I followed that tube to with my eyes. It it was pushing air into me. Now, ventilators have several settings. It's not always the case that it's pushing in all the air and sucking out all the air. It was probably a lower setting and not 100% oxygen. Did they but tell you if they gave you, did they tell you if they gave you remdesivir? No, that, I, I need to find that out with yeah. the medical report. I, I hope to God so. not. I would definitely say that you probably should figure that out uh, as well. As the fact that you were able to get all of those things off of you. Uh, and then you told your story in Telegram, trying to get a hold of anybody with a platform. So here we are telling you, if you go, if you go get into a car crash, uh, it's likely that you're going to end up uh being kidnapped medically, I guess. Yeah, my my message to folks through all this is be extra, extra careful no matter what you do. Yeah. Um, Avoid the hospital. Yeah, like uh, no broken arms. Don't don't be overexerted. Like I'm worried about my kids playing hockey or full contact sports here because it's like you end up in the hospital because you have, you know, a a dislocated elbow. And the next thing you know, you're on a ventilator and, you know, uh... yeah, Benjamin Gord, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Thank you, Stu. I mean, if Benjamin Gord would have told me that story five years ago, I would have told him that he needs an immediate psychiatric evaluation. But uh, look, I, I, wow, speechless. 
Go to vaccine-police.com, please, and support the Vaccine Police. This is a great group. They are putting up billboards in major metropolitan areas. He's got his Mustang wrapped. He's showing people the deaths and the danger associated with these bioweapon shots that are being reported by nurses like our whistleblower here and like we have had on here so many times and the experts and the doctors and the professionals and the scientists and the microscopy people that are coming on here and telling us about these things. But we have to combat this multiple decades long brainwashing operation that has people convinced that the news media is for them. And for that, we need the vaccine police who's out here battling and he needs your help, please. Go fund him. Give five, ten, fifteen, twenty, a hundred, a thousand dollars if you can. Vaccine-police.com. I fund them and hope you will too. Go to vaccine-police.com again. Vaccine-police.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of my pillow. Hello, my friend. Oh my God, Brian. I just thought I mean, what the hell is going on? I got chills all over my body. When that guy said he was in a car accident, right? Yep. Do you know how many people are missing that were in car accidents? Oh. They're putting him in the hospital as Jane, uh, uh, John Doe's and Jane Doe's or whatever. Oh. He did, didn't yeah. he? He showed us his name tag for crying out loud. Yes, sir. And there is numerous accidents like that, sir. Oh, my God. I, I am sick because I don't know how many that I read that there was a car accident and the car was there or the car, or there was just yes. the car there. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. hospital's killing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stu claims that they're getting $100,000 per body, basically. Oh, my God, Brian. I'm sick. I, I had to say that. I just about lost my... I am sick. I'm supposed to have two surgeries. I don't think I'm doing them. Because, Michael, I asked Mike, please do not do, don't stay in the hospital. He said, well, well, I can't really do nothing now. I said, you need to find somebody to come get you. And then basically called me a Jesus freak. And I tried to tell him what to do. Yeah. Now he's dying. I know. It sucks. I am sick. Our hospitals are killing us. We, yeah, unfortunately, we've been saying that for almost a year. Well, I knew that, but I did not know they were actually getting us from our, ac- right. our accidents and stuff. Right. Well, <clears throat> you're right. Sick. It's the ugly truth. I, I, oh, my God. Uh, anyways, I don't want to keep you, but I just, that, when he said that about being a John Doe, I was like, it was like a, Doorbell hit me, and I, my, my whole body went into chill mode. No, you're absolutely right, I, and you nailed it, and you found this guy, and you found the connection, and we got him on Stu Peters. Uh, we were partly responsible for that. Stu mentioned it on the show that people were writing in on him, and you, um, you, you to me, what you do is incredible. I'm sorry that you feel sick about it, but feel good that we're saving lives. We really are saving lives by getting this information out there that they're killing our people. We've got to get this out, Brian. We've got to get it everywhere. Everywhere. I know I need to calm down, but I just just got it, and I'm just, like, sick. Now, the best reaction is your first reaction. I thank you for calling me. Yes, sir. Well, you have a good night. I'll listen to your show. If I uh, get through it. Oh, my God.
COVID is, it's interesting. It's the elephant in the room that you're not allowed to talk about. COVID is never going to end if we don't start calling this out. Tell us your name, your title, where you work. My name is Jean Stagg. I am a nurse with, or was a nurse with United Healthcare, a community and state plan of Louisiana. Specifically, I do inpatient utilization management coordination. And how long have you done that for? I've worked for United about seven years. Um, about the last two years is when I've done the inpatient utilization specifically. What brought you here today? Why come to Project Veritas? Well, I've been seeing some uh, cases come over that um, were coded as COVID-19 that I felt should not have been coded as COVID-19. Um, I've tried to raise awareness to my leadership and even with the fraud, waste and abuse department, and it just kind of fell on deaf ears. Um, and I do have a few patients that, you know, they went in for reasons outside of uh, COVID symptoms, but they are still being counted on our census as a COVID admission. So that may be, um, you know, showing some higher numbers as well. They did test positive for COVID, but they went in for other reasons, but they are still being counted in our numbers. So any questions? Yeah, thank you so much, John. That was great. Well, that's odd. You identified that there were problems. And who are you speaking to there? Well, this was our daily uh, leadership call. So it's all of our uh, leadership at the uh, Louisiana Health Plan. And every Wednesday, I report off on our COVID inpatient numbers. You can see the trends. Obviously, we're concerned about when we see the, the spikes and the, the peaks. Um, and so I try to explain why we're having peaks. It's not necessarily because we have patients that are critically ill with COVID. These are just the patients that are showing up on our daily census mm -hmm. as a primary admitting diagnosis of COVID-19. When did you first notice this trend of coding all new patients as COVID? Some of them are um, legitimately COVID-19. Um, but starting in around March of 2020, we that's when I started really tracking and uh, specifically focusing on just the COVID-19 patients. And I would say it's around um, June or July, I started seeing some cases which should not have been COVID in my opinion. We have an example here of, a, I believe, a gunshot patient. Yes. Does that ring a bell? The one that really got me a while back and I told Nicole, cause I'm like, oh my God, this has nothing to do with COVID. The guy went in for multiple gunshot wounds. <laughs> and he was coded as COVID. I'm like, he would have never known he had COVID if he hadn't gotten sh gunshot wounds. I mean, we take the cases as they're sent to us, but um, I've had a couple where it was like scheduled vaginal deliveries or um, car wrecks, you know, different things like that, that that wasn't their reason for going to the hospital. But, you know, like I said, the only way they're going to show up on my census is if COVID is their primary diagnosis. I, I don't want to say it's fraud and abuse, but I mean, should I be reporting stuff like that or just letting it go? I mean, the thing about it is, is we are finding, you know, people as we work them up who are COVID positive and they had no inclination to even know mm -hmm. they might be positive. But I mean, when I assess those folks and put in codes, that's never my number one code in that situation. Who are you speaking to there? 
That is Dr. Moriel. She's actually my boss. She is the chief medical officer for United Healthcare Louisiana Medicaid. Um, but she also works as a hospitalist at a local hospital. Um, so she's very familiar. She's been on the front line uh, with the whole COVID. And how would you characterize her reaction? I think that she was a little bit surprised as well that her peers or the, the hospitals were doing that. You know, like she said, she wouldn't have done it in that way. Dr. Maria, for that $2,100 fee for the windows for the uh, antibodies, are people being charged their deductible for that, or is the, the feds just paying that outright? The feds are paying for it at this point. But that may not be what's going to happen going forward. The feds are paying for it. But the supplies are somewhat limited. When Dr. Morial is referring to when the feds are paying for it, who is she talking about? I would imagine that it has to do with the CARES Act and the federal funds that were allocated through the CARES Act. Do you believe there's a financial incentive to do this? I think that there, there probably is. So I don't see the actual financial side of it, but I have heard rumors Mm-hmm. You know, that they are getting money directly from the federal government for COVID positive admissions. And I'm wondering what the motivation would be for that, because I don't think the reimbursement is going to be any different. Well, I know that the reimbursement um, turnover is quicker, right? Because with all of our COVID, it's like a 15 day turnaround for reimbursement, whereas normally we're like a 30 day reimbursement. So well, maybe that's maybe that's driving some of the motivation. Mm-hmm. And I thought that they got reimbursed at Medicare rate instead of Medicaid rate. They do. I mean, Medicare rate would be significantly higher than Medicaid rate. Oh, yes. Yeah. I would think that there's some motivation that it's driving higher higher rates of reimbursement or quicker reimbursement or something. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, there's no reason. To put, you know, something like that as a leading diagnosis in an asymptomatic, basically asymptomatic patients. So typically when a patient goes into the hospital, they go through utilization review. So we have a team of nurses that review the patient's stay. We use a standard set of criteria. All hospitals, all insurance companies use the same set of criteria. And we basically are reviewing it and saying the care that this patient is getting meets criteria, they still need to stay in the hospital. If they don't meet the criteria, we deny the stay. Um, Or maybe they shouldn't have been admitted in the first place. We're going to deny that. Um, What happens is LDH, which is the Louisiana Department of Health and Hospitals, they have suspended utilization review. So they're basically telling the insurance companies that they cannot do medical necessity review. We can't deny anything. When that happens, you can see on that chart the spikes in numbers. It kind of correlates when LDH suspends utilization review. Now, your critics might say that you're just speculating, that you're just uh, assuming, guessing. Uh, How will you react to those critics? I would say LDH is definitely suspending utilization review. That's it's unprecedented for them to do this. What are we looking at here? This is actually a health plan advisory. They have amended it multiple times. And this is basically telling them that all utilization management for all medical hospitalizations, including but not limited to initial service authorizations and concurrent reviews must be suspended. Now, this is not specific to COVID-19. This is every single hospital admission. 
we're not allowed to do medical necessity review. So it gives the hospitals free reign to admit anything they want, code it however they want, keep the patients in the hospital as long as they want, and we're not going to deny anything. Who is giving these directives? This is coming from LDH, which is the Louisiana Department of Health and Hospitals. And I'll also point out, too, that LDH meets with all of the hospital heads, the CEOs of all of the hospitals. They meet once a week with the governor, and they discuss strategies and how they're going to go forward dealing with this COVID pandemic. COVID is it's interesting because it's the elephant in the room that you're not allowed to talk about. So what's your message to the doctors watching this feeling betrayed by you? Well, I mean, I hope they live up to the oath they took to do no harm. To me, this is dishonest. I don't know that it's illegal because it's being allowed to happen by the CDC. I would hope that they would stand up to their hospital administration because I'm sure they're getting pressure from their administration to test everyone, test them multiple times, get that COVID diagnosis on the chart. Um, but I would hope that they would stand up. I mean, we have to stand up and fight this. It's, COVID is never going to end if we don't start calling this out, what we see. Fantastic report from Project Veritas, as always. Yep. And it's finally coming out, and, you know, it's been probably known or assumed for a long time, but it is out. The cat is out of the bag. The administrators, the governor, they're all up to this under direct orders from the CDC. Direct orders and approval of. Yep. It's all about the money. Yep. Are we going to close this one out, or do we have oh, more Oh, we here? still have more. Oh, we, yeah, this we is do. just absolutely packed tonight. Yeah, we just got too much to go over. So, um, just as a review, Transhuman 101, right? Transhumanism now you're talking right. about. Right. Okay. Moderna declares COVID vaccine an operating system. So, transhuman ideology is terrifying, so much so that most people can't grasp its enormity. Transhumans fully intend to hijack the evolutionary process of genetic structuring in order to create humanity 2.0. It means treating human DNA like a computer code. And so these vaccines have this computer code and it's chimeric, so it's changing our bodies, it's changing our DNA, it is causing us to be less human and more something else, right? Putting in this operating system um, is uh, causing us to become transhuman, right? So AI is kind of a buzzword. Yes. That you may have heard, or artificial intelligence. And the whole concept of transhumanism, first of all, is to bypass the natural order. Yes. But second of all, is to, is to create or transform a human into a machine or a robot that can produce energy or be an asset in some way. And it's... it's really deep and it's a science that's just been very legitimate it's a very legitimate science uh supposing according to the scientific world 
yeah. for many years. So this is something we're going to dig deeper into in another episode, probably for a full half hour, is this transhumanism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's all about mixing DNA from animals and humans and making things work that God probably never intended. Right. And, and of course, these vaccines are introducing um, the machine portion of that transhumanism. So it's the bionic man, you know, right. come to fruition. Yeah, right? that's the wish. Um so because we now have these jabs that they're sticking in us with this mRNA technology, so now we have an operating system in our body. And so that operating system can then be hijacked by 5G. Right. Okay. And the mRNA technology can be applied to other diseases now. Okay. Yeah, that has been for a while. They actually in, uh, started with AIDS research, didn't they? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where they came up with it. Yeah. Right. And then another crazy story on top of transhumanism is the elites want to monitor your every move. Oh, yeah. It's been going on in China, right? Right. So there's a Chinese social credit system that they are now doing. And there's a Twitter feed um, embedded on this article that you can watch a video about how it works. But the Democrats are moving have tried to move to adopt this China-style social credit score Mm -hmm. several times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, The opponents argue that the move to overhaul the credit system is another step in the leftward march of Democratic House members. For example, among many other developments, House Democrats have supported a push to make COVID-19 vaccines mandatory for military service members after low vaccination rates. And they wanted to include that in the credit system that they were overhauling. Yep. Yep. Right. And a long time ago, back in the wee beginning of our podcasting, mm-hmm. we had a China update that talked about this social score in China. And it was a report from China. And it said, beware of this because the cameras are everywhere in China. And if you're caught jaywalking, that's a minus one on your credit score. Right. And, of course, you know, two, three years ago, nobody would have ever thought that anything like that would happen here in America. No. Yep. And now people are seeing that it's, it, it's very possible. Yep, yep. That report was almost two years ago. <laughs> so, um, you know, I already mentioned the 5G. Yep. Well, now the scientists warn that wireless radiation and 5G may endanger animals. So, you know, we've been... Crying, 5G is bad, 5G is bad for a long time. But maybe if PETA gets involved, maybe <laughs> yeah. that'll slow down the 5G rollout. There you go. <laughs> we can only help. Oh, there we go. Right? So something else we haven't talked about very much. Oh, you're really trying to get us kicked off the internet, aren't you? <laughs> Don't tell me you're going to say the words election fraud. <laughs> election analysis um, by Seth Keschel. He's one who has been um, going through every individual county in the United States one by one and looking to see whether they lean towards um, problems or not, right? In other words, how much election fraud fraud went on in each one of these counties. He's not able to do every county, but he's trying to go through every one, but he's picked certain ones. He's picked certain ones that 
already show a leaning towards fraud. Mm-hmm. Other than the ones that are just so bad, like Cook County and Los Angeles County, you know, they're just oh, yeah, so bad. There's no way to filter too, it. Too big. And, right. Yeah. Right. Too so um, he's taken action, though, which is the positive. Um, based on the data he's picked up, Trump would have actually won Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, um, Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, and Minnesota. That he's found enough fraud just on the top, just on the icing, to indicate that Trump should have won just based on those. That would have put Trump at about 402. And then there are close call states like New Mexico, Virginia, Colorado, New Jersey, and New Hampshire. That could be, maybe not, you know. Um, uh, There were closer calls that likely still would have been won by Biden, but they still had significant um, fraud. Mm -hmm. Washington, Oregon... Rhode Island, Connecticut, Hawaii. But he found that the cleanest state, which kind of surprised me, uh-huh. was Iowa. Huh. And mostly clean states included Idaho, Wyoming, Arkansas, South Dakota, North Dakota, and Mississippi. Hmm. Worst states, California, New York, New Jersey, Arizona, Washington, Oregon, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, Nevada, and Minnesota. Dang. That's a lot of bad, bad messes that they had. Yeah. But I heard Nebraska made the list. Yeah. Yes, he is checking out Sarpy County and Douglas County as we speak. And those were the two counties that actually had lots of fraud going on. Yeah. And, of course, those are both... Part in Omaha. Omaha is in Douglas County, but it's partly in Sarpy County. So the Council right. Bluffs, Omaha area in Nebraska. And, of course, those votes split. Nebraska is a unicameral there, and they split that district into two votes. And one went to blue and one went to red. Right. The rest of the state is red. So you might, want, you might be asking, well, what can I do to help? Yes, I was asking that. Yes. Convention of States. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Yes. It's It's, two-thirds, isn't it? It's a movement um, that, uh, well, it's it's part of the Fifth Amendment, I think it is, um, where a convention of states, which is two-thirds, can call... Wait, I have the right to remain silent? No, the Fifth Amendment. It takes the Fifth? I want to take the fifth. Is that the amendment? Uh, it's in the Constitution. Okay. Okay. Well, I, well I'm not I'll sure. I'll have to figure it out. But anyway. Just um, read it. So it's part of the Constitution where the states have the right. Mm-hmm. It's a states' rights thing. Where if two-thirds of the states come to the Congress and say, hey, you're doing something wrong that we all agree needs to change. Right? Right. Okay. So the Convention of States is gathering signatures. Right. On a petition. And they need 34 states to call a convention of states. And their purpose for this is to rein in federal power, Mm -hmm. impose fiscal restraints on Congress, 
and limit the terms of office for federal officials. That's the, the big one. Those are some really, really important things. And, yes. And I can see why. And it is the fifth, but it's the Article 5. Article 5. Article 5, yeah. Right, right. So it was in the original Constitution. Yes. Yes, before the amendments. Yes. Okay. It's not even an amendment. Right. It's in the main body. Right. Dang. So they are halfway there to getting a convention of states called. Oh, nice. So, And we have a map, right? Yes. If you are in Utah, Arizona, Alaska, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Texas, Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, Indiana, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Wisconsin, or Nebraska, your state is good. They are already in on the convention of states. Good deal. If your state was not mentioned... We need you to go and sign the petition at Convention of States. It's um, conventionofstates.com. There is a link there to click on to sign the petition to call your state in to join the fight. They are halfway there. Good deal. Good deal. And they've been working on this for a year now because each state has to vote on it. And Nebraska is the newest one. They were number 17. All right. Go so, Big Red. Go Big Red. Yep. There are some good things happening in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of good recruits coming out of the pipeline, they call it, down in there in that football country. <laughs> so anyway, what are we going to go to next? Are we okay, going to close out? that's closing out the tr- Truman Matrix for this week. <laughs> oh, there is so much craziness going on in this world. And yes. if you have some crazy headlines for us, I know some of this stuff is actually starting to sound normal. You were like, oh, that wasn't so crazy. Yeah, because we've been inundated like the frog in hot water. Right. We've all just been boiled over to lose these freedoms. And we warned you about this. We warned you that there were demons in our midst. Yeah. And we are going to close this segment out so we can get to tackling those demons. The ugly truth. Here we go. And that's going to do it for this edition of Truman's Matrix a podcast built around the craziest headlines around the world, a production of Digging Deeper Media, owned by Hale Multimedia. You can find Digging Deeper with Brian Hale on your favorite podcast network, or visit all of our podcasts under one roof at diggingdeeper.us. And one more thing. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.